Welcome back, everyone, to the Old Switcheroo, where we're talking gaming retro with Mike and JMO. I'm Mike. <laughs> and I'm JMO. Welcome to part two of our Mammoth Caveman episode. We are clubbing our way through Joe and Mac 2, Lost in the Tropics, and Prehistoric Man in our epic quest to research and review every game in the Nintendo Switch online retro catalog. We are lucky enough to be joined by Ryan, a.k.a. Warboss5, uh, whose YouTube content you can find under the channel of the same name. He posts Twitter. VODs and all kinds of fun videos and we will now continue our discussion into prehistoric Super Nintendo games. Let's go to game number three which is Joe and Mac 2 Lost in the Tropics released for the SNES in 1994. All right, let me give you the description. Uh, according to Nintendo Switch Online's catalog, it says, when a caveman named Gork steals the village's precious crown, it's up to Joe and Mac to get it back. To retrieve the crown, they'll have to dash, jump, and attack over mountains, through valleys, and deep underground in order to defeat their enemies and collect seven rainbow stones, all to regain the stolen crown. On top of all that, they can save money to remodel their houses. <laughs> Give flowers to their girlfriends and even get married. And those are just some of the elephants. That... <laughs> some of the elements, not elephants. <laughs> the element in the room. And those are just some of the elements that make this game great. Joe and Mac 2 Lost in the Tropics. Uh, if I can start us off, I, I didn't realize this game had the whole dating mini game. <laughs> oh, it does. In fact, yeah. there, there's a helpful hint from the manual. Because uh -oh. this just mentions like, oh, you can give flowers to your girlfriends. This is a helpful hint from the manual that I wrote down because... And, and, and let's clarify. What, what, what that means is that in the levels, you collect uh, gems. And then you in the overworld, you can go back to your hub town. And there's a place where you can buy gifts to try and woo the cave people. Okay, Mike, continue. Yeah. So the helpful hints is... Keep giving flowers to the same girl. Eventually, she will like them. Oh, my God. Oh, Are you dear. Wow. Oh, dear. Wow. 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 Okay, listen. Yeah, so when I said that, just... that bit about keeping things in, about, you know, you got rid of that, but you kept some other things in, this is the other thing. That was... Yeah, but just going back to this, like, uh, just the audacity of the 90s. I mean, that is... Uh, listen... If you're my student, don't tell anyone about this podcast, okay? But <laughs> do not just keep giving flowers to the same girl and think that one day she'll like you. Because, man, you know, even if that works, that's a weird way to win the game of life, if you hear what and I'm the saying. Whole, that whole mechanic works. Did either of you pursue that option? No, because the first time I gave them flowers, the first girl said she doesn't like them. And so I used the rewind feature Okay, let's see if this girl likes my flowers. Now, all four of them didn't like my flowers. I never went back. I was like, you know yeah. what? <laughs> You're supposed to keep trying until she likes them. And then all that happens, because it's it's this weird thing where you just have like four, it's like pick a curtain to give flowers to. 
So you can't really... I didn't see a way to know who was going to be getting flowers. Well, wasn't it the same girl each time? I thought it was different. Like behind door number one is the girl you're trying to woo. I don't, I thought it was random, but I may, I may have not experimented with that heavily enough. The way that they did it with the curtains made me figure it was a random thing. Any case, at some point they like the flowers and you basically get like a text box of, Hey, you're now married. Yeah, as you do. <laughs> I do wonder, though, if you give flowers... And then you can continue to give flowers, and you can furnish your hut, and then you'd eventually just go back and you have a kid. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, the messaging is pretty Child clear. Child that was born while you were off adventuring. I don't see what's suspicious hmm. about that. You did come back to the town to give the flowers and the furniture, so... I don't know if you do. You're in a different town. I think you just email them. You have a starting <laughs> town, but then like the central, the Tiki town or whatever, Tiki village no. is on a different island. And that's where you're buying all the stuff. And Joe, but that's your family though. And you love them. There's a real like me, myself <laughs> and Irene sort of subplot happening in this game. Perhaps if either of you get my reference. Well, you know, since we're talking so much about this game's obsession with the uh, female form, We've got the box art here. Um, let's go over them. The um, whole dating aspect is completely absent from the box art. And I think it's one of the things that makes this game kind of unique. Uh, we're looking at the North American box here. You know, it's appealingly cartoony. It sort of is reminiscent of the Flintstones. Mm -hmm. It shows off a lot of aspects of the game. You got multiplayers, uh, multiple players on the screen. You got these big bosses. Mac over there is holding one of the weapons you can find. There's the edible power-ups. You even have enemies hiding in the foreground. What is Joe holding, though? On the right side of the screen, he's got like a rock with an arrow on it, and he seems as confused as I do. What is that? I, I, it's like an <laughs> elevator button. It, I, was <laughs> that in the game? Button. I don't remember ever finding that. Also, I, I feel like I need to point this out. Joe and Mac, despite Everything else to the contrary do not have blue and green hair. They both have brown hair because you can see their sideburns. They're wearing hats of leaves. And that... Oh. Oh. I, I, I... Whoa. <laughs> I, is that? No, wait, I'm going back to the other screenshots. Those are those, no. definitely in that image, they're leaves. Yeah, but I think I think he's right though. I think the sprites of those old Joe and Matt games, I it's it does kind of look like a leaf hat versus actual hair. Then again, I, I suppose I actually like this explanation better because if it isn't a hat, it means that is the color of their hair everywhere on their body. Right. Which <laughs> <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> I think I think I've reached that uh, conclusion. Oh, you're oh. Yeah. Are you implying that that's not a diaper? <laughs> no, no. Wow. So <laughs> the uh, Japanese box art, it's you know largely the same. Um, you get a more static image. Joe and Mac are kind of just posing while you know the enemies sort of surround them. But I just had to include this because of the amazing subtitle. It the full game release was called Caveman Ninja Three. The protagonists are Joe and Mac again. <laughs> <laughs> Don't this worry. Is funny. I wonder complaints. <laughs> right, exactly. Not exactly. Goku is gone. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> it's like, don't worry, they're in this game. I just wonder if Rookie's Adventure Congo's Caper was seen as like, you know, okay, it's called Caveman Ninja, but you got rid of our protagonists. I also just enjoy that one of the dinosaurs in the back looks very similar to a dog riding in a truck. Yeah, his like tongue, tongue is like... And those are googly eyes, right? You you like yeah. attached those to the box before you took this picture, right? Because I cannot believe that's the actual artwork. Yeah. But I mean, you think about it, though. That's what the dinosaurs look like when you hit them. They get these really exaggerated, shocked faces that always made me happy. I That was always <laughs> satisfying. He's wailing on his really scary dinosaur, and it's like... I'll grant you that. Yeah, it, it yeah. is similar enough to that that I suppose that fixes that looking ridiculous. So I've got some trivia for you guys. Uh, once again, published by Data East. It was um, the director was um, Seichi Ishii, and he worked on a couple of noteworthy games. He made Urguys, God Bless the Ring. Ryan, you were a PlayStation 1 kid for a minute, weren't you? I remember the existence of this game. I yeah. remember that there was a period where, for whatever reason, Every franchise and their brother was getting a fighting game. Like yes. there was a Sonic the Hedgehog fighting game. There was a Star Wars fighting game. There was a the Sonic one's not terrible, actually. It's it was just weird how they were Very all. Weird. I think it was because that was during the fighting game boom in the arcade. Yeah, yeah. Virtual Fighter, like Virtual Fighter, uh, Killer Instinct, yeah. uh, Marvel vs. Capcom. Well, back then it was called SNK. Or no, what was it? What was the original? It was X Men vs. Uh, Capcom. Street Fighter. X Men vs. Street Fighter was the first versus fighting game. Yeah, X Men vs. Street Fighter. You know, all of those games were all coming out in one at all at the same time yeah so it made sense that a bunch of other random third parties would go we have people with weapons let's make a fighting game (laughs) but so it's (laughs) you have a very convincing fake drunk um voice or you're actually drunk and you're hiding it for the rest of the podcast so it's a very convincing sober voice (laughs) (laughs) something something um urgeis though is it's it's the fighting game that has final fantasy characters it has Mm -hmm. sephiroth it has cloud I believe it had Tifa Lockhart, but that is not the most infamous fighting game that this director worked on. He also made Kakuto Chojin Back Alley Brutal. I think you guys remember this game. No, no. It was really infamous because it was a um, early Xbox game, not Xbox 360, just full-on Xbox. Mm -hmm. It was meant to show off the uh, superior graphics of the system, but the game's real legacy is the global controversy it sparked by using lyrics from the Quran in the background music of its central protagonist. According to Microsoft's geopolitical analyst Tom Edwards, the Japanese developers used the words due to their rhythmic quality, unaware that they had sacred meaning. And while Microsoft was aware of potential controversy, they released the game unchanged, hoping it would go unnoticed, The Saudi Arabian government made a formal protest three months later, and the game was pulled from store shelves worldwide, but the game wasn't selling particularly well anyway. Um, This is all from a 2004 Guardian article written by Paul Brown. That quoted a Microsoft geopolitical analyst. Was that the title? Microsoft's geopolitical analyst, Tom Edwards. Yes. According to a Guardian article. Yeah. (laughs) Very specific job title. Yeah. Didn't know they had those. Well, maybe they don't anymore. But this game always just stuck out in my mind because it's like, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's a huge collector's item now. You know, they can't, they, they're not going to sell it anywhere. So your chances are eBay or nothing. But I thought that was kind of an interesting little curio. Other curios here is that uh, Congo's Caper, uh, it featured a statue of Joe, like we had mentioned before. And Joe and Mac 2, did you guys catch this? There's a picture oh, yeah. of uh, Rookie 
in a portrait of the village elder's house. I didn't notice that at the time, because at the time, I did not know that those were related games. I did Joe and Mac and Joe and Mac 2, and then went on to Congo's Caper, and then stumbled upon the fact that that's, in fact, the middle game there. <laughs> ah, right, because in North America, they removed the canonical connection. So did you remember this, or you just, is it like, oh, that's, that's... As soon as it came You're... up now, it's like, oh, yeah, that'll do that. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. And I also like this little nod. The Sega a brawler, Altered Beast, gets a fun shout out in the game's final boss. The game's final boss says, welcome to your doom. Uh, Ryan, are you familiar with that? that you meme? know, I remember I, I I'm I'm basically I've cottoned on to what to what the reference is now that you simply juxtapose the images. But I never was an Altered Beast kid. Uh, it's 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 a weird game. But the one of its you know most enduring legacies is that the first boss or actually every time you feed him, welcome to your doom. And it was like this one of the very first spoken lines in video game history. So it sort of burned into people's brains. Gosh. So I thought that was cute that the final boss of this game is quoting that. It's a fun little shout out yeah so um ryan was saying that joe and mac 2 is wildly better than joe and mac so i think maybe ryan you'd like to start us off in your mind what makes this game better well one of the first things i'll point out about this game uh of all four games had the best controls i felt the most in control of my character which was you know it's it's 90s era video games there's a certain amount of loss of control you kind of just have to accept Uh, as compared to more modern games and more modern platformers, especially. But I felt that this game, this game felt the best to play. It felt like if, if I screwed up, I recognized that it was me screwing up and not the game's controls deciding that, no, I'm not going to clear that jump. I will say I, I, so, so on that alone, and I was playing, I kind of binged all of these. I played Prehistoric Man one day and then I binged the other three on a single day. Gotcha. So the Joe and Mac 2 was the last one I played. Because I, I played them in the order that you, uh, when you sent me the list, this was the order they were in the list. So I I I didn't know, I didn't know all of these were connected aside from the two Joe and Macs. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I thought that this was definitely the most comfortable to play. And that's huge for platforming games. Oh yeah, yeah. You have to you have to feel confident that it's going to do what you need it to do. Yeah. And I think the way you said like, you know, you screw up but okay, that was on me. And that's why I like to bring it back to Dark Souls and Demon Souls and those from software games that are so difficult. It, it still manages to not ruin your day because it is very very difficult but always feels fair. Right. And um, I would say the same thing with Joe and Mac too. Mike, would you also agree this is the better game? Nope. Really? Oh. Wait, you liked? I'm not talking about the best game of this episode. Is this the? Is I think this is clearly the best game we've talked about so far today. No, I I I a hundred percent would take Joe and Mac over Joe and Mac too. No yeah. way. Why? We can get to. I can cover okay, that. Yeah. Cons. You, right. you, you cover what you like first. Okay. Okay, man. I'm excited. I'm going to fight this one out. Well, Mike, <laughs> let me tell you why you're wrong. Cause you did the lot to me on the excite bike episode. <laughs> this game's boss fights are more interesting, right? You have this like, big stegosaurus fight, which is very similar to the T-Rex fight from before, but now you have like these moving platforms that you have to sort of manage. So they're like, there's just that one extra layer of complexity. I think Ryan hit the nail on the head with saying the controls are so much better, but my God, this game is beautiful. It has so many big colorful sprites and cartoonish characters. And my favorite part 
was the way that the game would use foreground and background. So this screenshot I have here, you see enemies crouching in the bushes closer to the camera and you know you're not on the same plane of action as them you can't fight them but they're they're lobbing arrows into your path and that little extra you know foreground layer made it feel like i was you know surrounded by my enemies and it made the world feel three-dimensional even though you know obviously this is a 2d game there's um a pteranodon boss that either of you guys get to this one yep no, I didn't get to this. This one's really cool, Ryan, because you, you once again, you're like on top of a mountain or something, or maybe just on a cliff. But this Pteranodon boss is zooming in from the background using that cool scaling effect that only Super oh. Nintendo at the time could do. And so it's coming closer, coming closer, coming closer. So you have to like, you know, find a spot on the screen where it's not going to hit you. But then even when it misses you, the wind force of its wings sends you sliding. And that's another example of like, you have these two things to consider, right? It's not just dodging the boss, it's dodging the boss and then also uh, an X factor. Uh, the Triceratops boss, <laughs> yeah, I thought I had a better screenshot for this. You only see his nose, but like the boss fight starts and you're just in an empty room. And like, it kind of hangs there for a second. You're like, what's going on? And all of a sudden the Triceratops starts punching holes through the wall behind you until eventually it breaks through enough that you can see it. And then to my disappointment, once it breaks through the wall, it just stands there. So it was this really <laughs> cool start, very anticlimactic. But, you know, I, I just loved looking at this game. Mm -hmm. Did you not like looking at this game, Mike? <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll grant it looks nice. Yeah. Aesthetics aren't big for you for why you play games, though. Not if I'm not having fun playing the game. Oh, man, I'm really shocked. Well, so I'll just wrap up what I like about it because I'm, I'm getting tired of holding back this fight. Um, they also had, you know, um, some cool atmosphere effects like avalanches of snow and then the mountable dinosaurs. <laughs> Ryan, did you ever find one of these looks, guys? He looks, he, he looks happy to have you on his back. Absolutely. But that's what's so cute about it. Yeah, it's like there's this always this sort of running gag in the Flintstones of, well, I guess it was an animal abuse joke or maybe just not appreciating like the help or whatever. But all the dinosaurs in Flintstones are just used like telephones and, you know, kitchen appliances. And they all it's are just living. sort of resigned. It's a living. It's a living. And that's just the <laughs> vibe of the writable dinosaurs. I thought they added nothing to the game they were pretty underpowered you got to hit once they would run away i think i got one at one point but i don't think yeah I but it's like much it just gives you a ranged attack which like you probably already have if you get your upgraded club power up because you're already shooting projectiles but you know it's just the game's cute and you know unless you're dead inside like mike you'd appreciate something <laughs> i did feel like I, I do agree with you on that joe and mac really made a fantastic use of color a fantastic yeah. use of uh, contrasting colors, especially to draw the eye to the things you need to see with Good the point. exception, of course, of the extremely tiny fish in the river level. Yeah. We're just like, Oh yeah. You know, you didn't see this guy. Well, time to take damage. Yeah. I'm bad. That seemed like a design that I think they wanted yeah. you to miss it the first time. And then you're, you're kind of watching the water, you know, kind of like, like you would do if you were actually walking through a river, you'd be a little yeah. anxious about where you're stepping. I thought that was sort of a design choice. So I don't have a lot to say that's negative about this game, Mike. So Ryan, can we let him have at it? Oh, absolutely. I can't wait to hear all this. Yeah. What's your, what's your deal, Mike? What's wrong? Talk all right. <laughs> all right. So to start off with, is yeah. I don't like the lower health from okay. compared to Joe and Mac, where Joe and Mac used half heart increments. Okay. So, so you so effectively every, had you, 10, yeah. and here you're down yeah. to five. 
Okay. Um, you've got fewer weapons with or fewer weapon options, so you're generally stuck with less range. Less range. You have like the you can eat food that then you can like spit stuff for a temporary amount of time, but it doesn't feel like you've got the arsenal options that you had. Yeah, uh, what he's referring to is that you heal you heal yourself by eating meat in this game, and if you eat meat at full health, then now you spit out bones as a projectile. And it wasn't a very good attack, but I thought that was cute. They were really tiny, though. The seeds and the projectiles that you could spit were really had really tiny hitboxes. You really had to know where you were shooting with them. Yeah, yeah. All good. It felt kind of pea shootery. Yeah, I think there there's a problem with cavemen attacking because there's not a knockback that you'll hit one that's jumping at you and you'll do damage to it, but then it will land where you are and then do damage sort of immediately. Mm-hmm. So you're you're in a increased vulnerability there. Um, you have a larger vulnerability to things like eating. You'll take damage while you're eating, and it's a, it's not just you've passed passed over it, and so you have health. Like it's got an eating animation that takes time. So yeah, you have this thing where healing makes you vulnerable to being attacked more so. Hey, another Dark Souls connection. Yeah, <laughs> is Jebu <laughs> Mac the predecessor to the Dark Souls series? Oh, hot take. There we go. There That's gonna go. make this podcast take off. <laughs> But yeah, I think there, there's areas where there's stuff where just it doesn't seem like they have a way to to reach it, which is so very it frustrating. Like you're the game just felt clunkier. I would generally say yeah, and I think and even also simply in this, you die. The little angel comes up as like an end animation thing, but then you have to start back over. So whereas in the pre in the first one, angel comes up, I select where I would like to resume. I resume in this one. I'm still having to start back over, so it's very much a begin again i don't have the weapons anymore or the weapon upgrade anymore because that's feels finicky and so it's just it didn't feel like at any point what i was doing was sort of the accumulation of everything that had come before for the most part okay you felt like you were constantly being deprived of, of progress and weaponry and yeah yeah and so at a, at a yeah. certain point because like i did a whole lot of continues i'm yeah. showing that i have a long list of pa- passwords written down for this and at a certain point i almost accepted that i wasn't going to actually get that like get through some of the things and then i just decided okay i'm just going to play through a few rounds continues get the coins up except i was going to die and then just go for get more furnishings so like i got a wife and kid which some say is a victory in its own right (laughs) but that i very much hit a point where it's like i'm not advancing any further than this jeremy did you advance further than that oh mike you know i nintended <laughs> i beat this game um nice. I, well, <laughs> I almost dropped my phone i wasn't you got me on that one i wasn't ready for that one that's good yeah I, I i beat this game i i loved this game i um am disheartened that you had such a bad experience with it i am curious how i would feel if i wasn't rewinding because you're right. The weapons from Joe and Mac are kind of gone, but what you have in its place is this club that you can upgrade to the point that it's shooting shockwaves out in front of you and like damaging enemies from afar. And, you know, being a rewind abuser, I never really lost that. So I played most of this game with a projectile. And I, I wonder if that was a big quality of life improvement that, um, you know, sort of almost changed the genre. It's almost like a shooter as opposed to what you experienced. Something I noticed about this franchise in general. Yeah. Projectile weapons are incredibly important. Yep. Yeah. And because and, the, the bosses are so big, there's so many enemies on the screen at once. 
-hmm. And that's just kind of a thing that like keeps happening in these retro games. Like we recently did a um, Zelda episode with Mike's friend Riri, uh, Riri yells on Twitch. And those are also games where like, okay, you have a projectile attack that makes the game basically playable. Mm -hmm. And if you get hit, you lose it. So I think it's no mystery why I'm having such a better time with these games. My my biggest Joy-Con was that, I, once again, I didn't know about the dating simulation thing. So, you know, like I said, I never actually wooed a woman. I never really tried, I guess, because I rewound since none of them liked my flowers. So I never even bought them, if we're going by the uh, original MCU time travel rules. But <laughs> towards the end of the game, the main villain is supposed to kidnap your family. And I never got a family, but they still showed me come home to my kidnapped family who never existed. And so Joe walks in and he goes, <laughs> no one's home. And they left that. And I was like, well, yeah, no one's home. I'm a bachelor who never bought any furniture. Like, why is this so sad? So I thought that was sort of humorous and sort of symbolic in the state of like, I don't know, the lonely man or the dawn of the incel or something. <laughs> but, dawn of the incel. I mean, what did we say? You know, just keep giving flowers. <laughs> they'll like you eventually. Yep. Oh, yep. No. Yeah. I mean, but I'm going to stand by it though. I, I think this is a legit great game. Any, any other praises or criticisms before we go to our final game of the day? I don't think I have anything else on this I'm one. Good. All right. Well, let's do it then. Let's wrap up our Caveman episode with Prehistoric Man. This was released on the SNES in 1996. I will say right at the top, this game had fucking bangers. Yeah, I like the soundtrack. Incredible. Let's hear what the game is described as on Nintendo Switch Online. It says, Sam the Caveman's quest to save his village begins. In this 1996 action game for the Super NES console, our hero Sam lives in a village whose food is stolen by dinosaurs. In order to get more, Sam has to collect bones, which he can then use to buy food. Because the bones are their money. Okay, um, on his way... <laughs> Anybody? Uh, I think you should leave. Ryan, do you know that show? I think you should. Uh, I know of it. I never watched it, though. <laughs> okay. Sam has to collect bones, which he then used to buy food. On his way, he'll need to make use of all sorts of action elements, a variety of weapons, vehicles, and attacks, including shouting to attack all on-screen foes. Can Sam reach the dinosaur graveyard and collect enough bones? Question mark, exclamation point. I don't know. What do you guys think? Can he do it? Let's look at the uh, box art of the game, because that's people's first impression. This this box art was almost really cool. Is he on the cover twice? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, for those who aren't watching on YouTube, the North American box art of Prehistoric Man, it has this really cool design of this primordial sunset, and all these characters are silhouettes against it. There's a silhouette of our protagonist holding his club defiantly as all of these dinosaurs and like a vulture are kind of swooping in on him, and there's trees on the side. And then almost as if they lost confidence in their sort of artistic take, they then have like a Mike, was it was Poochie the Simpsons dog that Homer yes. voiced that was like so desperate to be cool? We have our main character wearing sneakers and a sunglasses, neither of which he ever does in the game, leaning against his cool uh, club like a cool guy. But the character in the game, he's more like a dog person. Like, this is so obviously like 90s 
marketing 101 that I kind of get a smirk out of it. What do you guys think of this box? It literally looks like someone slapped a sticker on it. Yes. It, it is, it is it's badly, badly photo, badly cut out in Photoshop. You've got that little white line around the edges. Oh my God, you're right. It does. To the credit, this one has transparency. This isn't a black square around it. Yeah. That's true. That's true. They, they went to Google Image and they searched for a transparent background. Well, the game was re-released for Game Boy Advance seven years later. And I want to know if you guys can find my three major issues with this cover of the Game Boy Advance re-release. For those who can't see it, um, it's kind of the same concept, except, you know, the main character only appears once, but he's standing there in the center. He's got his sunglasses. He's leaning against his club, all cool. And there's three very weird things about this. Any idea what my beef is, you guys? I'm going to start with the fact that he's wearing a hat that has PM on the bottom of the the brim of the hat, like That's no one has ever done. Right. Yes, there's 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 iconography on the part of the hat that no one would see if this was a real hat. You would need to be like, oh god, remember like upskirts? Remember when like that was like a thing? That could still be a thing for all I know. But like you'd have to be underneath him looking up to see oh, that. Yeah, yeah, I get. You. I think it's quaint. You think that that's like past and is no longer a, pre- a thing. Yeah, don't, don't ruin this for me. Okay, um, <laughs> that's one. That's one. What are my other two issues? Well, the sunglasses almost look like swim goggles. They look... (laughs) Is it the lack of teeth? He has one giant white mouth. Uh, No, that's not it. He's wearing a hat that has the initials PM, but his name isn't Prehistoric Man. His name is Sam. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like like this fourth wall breaking moment. And then the other thing is in the very top left, the very, very top left of this box art, only for Game Boy Advance. Any idea why I dislike that? Because it's a remake. It's a remake. Can yeah. you put that? Can you put that sticker on a remake? I was gonna ask if because I think the manual that I had seemed like a European manual. Did did yes. the original have a U.S. release as well? Was it a U.S. Yes, release? Yes, it or did. Just... But okay. um, it was developed by Titus France. Uh, we will meet them again, Mike, in our quest for Camelot episode. That's going to be a really interesting one because it's one of the few games in the Nintendo Switch online catalog that's based on an IP. It's a movie uh, that Warner Brothers released, an animated movie. Titus France also worked on what the Ultra 64 podcast, which is my favorite podcast of all time. These two guys are they're hilarious and they're so insightful. And they, um, Woody and Steve, they play through every Nintendo 64 game ever released in North America and they rank all of them. So shout out to Ultra 64. You got to check them out. And um, hopefully we can get one of them on the podcast soon. They ranked this game that Titus France worked on as officially the worst N64 game of all of them. Any guesses what it is? I don't know enough about the N64. I feel like this is trivia I should have, but I don't remember enough about it. You probably knew at some point. Probably, yeah. I'm sure Unless it it's the Superman me. one, I have no idea. So we're going to come back to that, Mike. Superman will be discussed today, but it was Carmageddon 64. Ooh. Interesting. Carmageddon is a sweet PC game, super disturbing. But I remember Mike and I, you, we had a lot of fun with, like, I think the demo of this game. Do you remember that on your PC? Yeah, I was going to say I never had the real game, but I bought the, the real game on Steam like two years ago. Does it hold up? I haven't played it. Because ah, it's a thing yes. I bought on Steam. That's how Steam works. Yeah. yeah you just like buy games. You never play them. <laughs> right. So 
Rob Stevens was the director of the prehistoric man game and he himself has worked on some infamously bizarrely bad games including the blues brothers jukebox adventure mike God, I think if I've i told it. you that this is what the blues brothers game would look like what would you what would you say to re- in response to that why is there a giant mushroom in this like it's like a mario ripoff yeah. They literally put them in these enchanted lands, but instead of picking up coins, you pick up records. And instead of Mario, it's Jake or Elwood. It's it's pretty terrible from the videos that I've watched. And Rob Stevens also worked on Superman 64. There you go. <laughs> or actually, it's actually just called The Adventures of Superman. Superman 64 is actually a misnomer. But this has always been in the conversation as perhaps the worst game ever made. So... <laughs> port it to and uh, port it to the Nintendo Switch Online. I think that'd be an amazing like April Fool's prank. Can you guys imagine how fun that would be if they uploaded the? That would be good, and it would get attention. Oh, I feel yeah, like yeah. some people would like subscribe just to play this for how infamous it is. Some more uh, trivia on Prehistoric Man as a game. Uh, did you guys know that it was the third in a series? What series? No, I'm curious. The I presume series. the ones before it would have been. Pre pre prehistoric and pre prehistoric. Was that worth it? Was that worth it for you? <laughs> it was for me. Okay, that's the important thing. Prehistoric and prehistoric two were mostly known as PC releases, but they were platforming games. And as you can even see, Sam is still the main character. Look how cool these boss designs are, though. Aren't these really striking and kind of neat looking? I like them. That one makes me feel uncomfortable, and I don't know why. Yeah, there's a lot there. It's like this he's big the, T-Rex. But the way his gut is like thrust forward or something. It's I don't kind know. of pregnant looking. And then he's yeah, got these a little big... Bit. Yeah. And I think I think you attack this boss by hitting his toes. I think that's why the toes are all swollen. I would certainly hope so anyway. So this is the third game. Prehistoric Man is the third game in the prehistoric series. And in addition to being ported onto the Game Boy Advance, it was also ported to the Nintendo DS. Uh, it was g- widely panned for having major slowdown, blurry visuals, and an uninspiring use of the bottom screen. You guys can see there the bottom screen of the DS <laughs> basically just used to give you a display of your health and number of lives left. And I think some kind of rudimentary radar, which actually kind of might have come in handy. Huh. But um, you could the, the DS had a microphone. And so you could scream at your DS to trigger Sam's super attack, which is yelling and, and blowing all the other enemies away. And it always cracks me up how often Nintendo does these things. I'm like, yeah, this is a portable system. We're going to include a mechanic that would make you look like a maniac if you did it on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, oh, Nintendo, your ambition is always so much greater than your practicality. And, and I love you for it. So I, I got a tickle out of that. My proudest piece, perhaps my proudest piece of trivia I have ever compiled for this podcast. Mike, you know how I discovered Mario's first speaking role was in tennis? Remember that? Deuce, right? I mean, you contended that, yes. I think I think there's an argument to be made. I think that Prehistoric Man is actually connected to the Rayman series. Will you guys look at these two images? We've got the original Rayman from the PlayStation, Sega Saturn, PC release. And then we have the sort of dragonfly slash mosquito enemy that Sam encounters. You guys see the similarity, right? It's all remarkably similar. Yeah. 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 yeah almost the, to the point, it's like got the exact same sort of eye shape, the same color pattern, the same sort of, and you know, and Rayman, you can't see it, but when he's flying around, his wings is flapping just like this. So, this is 
mosquito on the left-hand side, spelled with a K, like how Prehistoric Man uses a K instead of a C. I think this is probably due to developer Jean-Christophe Alessandri doing sprite work on both games concurrently. He was working on Prehistoric Man and Rayman at the same time. And so I think that's a fun Easter egg. And I don't think this is something anyone else on the internet has noticed. So, you know, Prehistoric Man, prequel to Rayman, maybe? Kind of cool? What do you guys think? Well, I think it's it's neat. It's certainly, <laughs> I, I love the syncretism Can you please it. be more blown away? That'd be helpful. No, 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 sorry. If I might digress for a moment. <laughs> so you you said to yourself, when you said, I don't think anyone has ever noticed this, uh-uh. my brain immediately went to, do either of you guys watch H-Bomber Guy? No. H-Bomber Guy, I never even heard of it. H-Bomber Guy, he's a, he's a, a left, he's a left tuber, YouTuber, does a lot of um, like social justice. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a big yeah, yeah, lefty yeah. crazy person like that. Um, oh, but power to you. his most recent video, well, most recent up until like 20 minutes ago when he posted a new one was a three hour long video explaining the origin huh it's explaining the origin of the roblox oof the oof uh that it's a very notable sound in the roblox games but he's been used a lot hasn't it well that's just it he went back and found it but it led him on this like because he was like no no no, it's from this old game called messiah that that's where it came from and it was made by this guy named tommy tallarico wait and then that's the first hour is him finding the origin and then the next two is him just following this insane trail of gaming sound design history wow and this mad person named tommy tallarico who's the guy who's trying to resurrect the uh intellivision he he, uh he bought intellivision and he's trying to resurrect their console right now but it's failing miserably oh man i had an intellivision that was pretty cool (laughs) no it's it it went down this massive rabbit hole and all i could think to myself was you need to go and find this guy yeah because there's another rabbit hole here yeah i think totally <laughs> i'm but gonna I don't start think setting up the tote board with like the red strings and everything i will totally always sunny the situation so let, let me if i may kind of dive into the joy pros of this game because mm-hmm. ryan i'm pretty sure you didn't like this game right yes historic man no. I have a lot of very positive things to say about it. And I also have a lot of curse words written down in my notes. Great. (laughs) So here's what I liked about it, if I may, Mike. Is that cool with you? Yeah. So the uh, prehistoric man game, it feels like a cartoon that's come to life. But in its own way, that felt kind of distinct from Joe and Mac. I mean, obviously, it's taking a lot of like, the, oh, the boogly eyes, you know, and the club swinging and stuff. But, you know, the way Sam's eyes would bulge when he falls to his death or, you know, he's flapping his arms when he's kind of going from a great height. He's not going to die in this situation, but, you know, because there's a platform below him. But they're still adding drama to the moment as he's flapping his arms as if he could, you know, sort of slow his descent. His run animation, he like runs on all fours. And yeah, it's not very easy to control, but like it looked cool. Him just sort of taking off and he had all these fun death animations. You know, when he would hit fire, he would all char up like ash and he would get squished like a pancake. And he had, you know, a very sort of Tom and Jerry's <laughs> sort of like scream that I, I thought was kind of fun. Um, did you guys think this game, you know, was fun to look at? So I loved the aesthetic of this game. I think Joe's character do- design is 
is simple but fantastic. You know everything you need to know about Joe the first time you see him on screen. Yeah. You know, his with the hair, his eye, you know, the hair down over his eyes and the gigantic. Are you about, grin. This is Sam. Oh, sorry, Sam. Sam. You okay, know, I was just getting confused because Joe's the Sam. other game. Yeah, yeah, Sam. Yeah, you need he is clearly he's clearly dumb as a bag or bag of bricks. <laughs> and that does not bother him. He is just no. a cheerful, happy, go lucky, complete moron. Yes. And I and, love characters like that. It's just like yeah. nothing gets them down. And there's something sort of inspiring about that, I think. And and the I always and the, love a protagonist like Sam. And the start of the game, you're introduced to all these interesting characters. They all have very interesting designs. You're introduced to a story. You know, this game had a story in a way the other three games didn't. You know, there was a clear narrative from moment one about, you know, rescuing the village from, from starvation, you know. And I love the fact that the starvation narrative gave you a reason to collect things that were just points. Right. Food was just points. Diamonds and the food, just points. And the food is totally asynchronous, though. It's giant Big Macs and French fries. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, lo- I love the idea. Anachronistic, that, you know, not asynchronous. I got close. Okay. <laughs> let that one go. I love that the chief chastises you at the end of the level if you don't collect them. <laughs> where is it? Where is it? Um, yes. Yeah, where the- is it, you? Yeah, exactly. This- this screenshot, that's not good enough, Sam. Damn pathetic, really. You must do better. We need that food. He just rates you, and I love that. <laughs> yeah. I thought the game was genuinely funny. There was, like, also, you know, little moments. Um, here's that cast of characters you're talking about with, like, you know, the weaponsmith and the inventor and, like, your uh the daughter <laughs> yeah, with every and every character the moment you see them tells you so much you know the the old man is clearly infirm but his beard conveys wisdom the yeah. hunter is clearly a hunter you didn't even need the clear you know i guess he's a transplant from prehistoric australia based on his outfit but i was right. prehistoric texas <laughs> also uh einstein you know the einstein character the blacksmith is this burly dude with a hammer the woman Dark is Souls. clearly nothing but a you know an object <laughs> of sexual gratification based on her design alone i mean come on let's going on here and i don't know if you guys see the screenshot of all the characters but this is the elder describing you know what everybody's gonna do and it's like Oh, the scientist will come and he'll give you, you know, robots and the hunter will yeah. guide you to weapons and my daughter will come. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not being a creep. That's how they decided to put that line on the screen. Oh yeah, yeah. no, we're we are we are in full 90s mode here where female game characters existed for exactly one purpose and one purpose. Right. <laughs> but I mean, even then though, like I, I feel like because this game is so funny in other ways, you know, normally I would think this is like a stupid thing, but this is the level. So the levels have a variety. Like Ryan said, there is a sense of story where at the beginning, the, well, it's weird because at the beginning, dinosaurs steal all the bones from your village, which is your currency, which means now you have no money to buy food. Even though Sam is clearly capable of taking down animals on his own, you think he could just 
you know, hunt. There's even literally a hunter. Why doesn't the hunter teach you how to get your own food? Why are they having to buy food? But so then, you know, um, as you go through the game, you are looking for different pickups like oh i need to collect a certain amount of gems to pay this toll or i need to find a certain object like there's a level where you need to find a firefly to navigate this really dark level and the cool thing about this level i'm showing you guys on the screen the firefly level has this little guy following you around and it's really quite dark around everything but the glow of the firefly and you can actually control the Firefly separately from Sam by holding the look button. Do you guys ever mess with the look button? A little, a little bit. bit, yeah. Yeah, so what it is, you hold on a button, and instead of moving, Sam will put his little hands over his eyes like he's peering off to the horizon. And now you can move the camera a couple of inches off a of frame. Mm-hmm. And they had an interesting idea with this, and then it was executed badly because there's a lot of blind jumps that you don't, really know how they're going to resolve unless you know where to use the look function. So you have to get to an edge where there was seemingly nothing but death, use the look function and figure out where you're going to blind jump into. That could be a cool mechanic and never really paid off. But with the firefly, the look mechanic let you control the firefly and fly around independent. And so you would sort of scope out a path and then, you know, meet up with it again. It was just, it was cool. It was a really cool mechanic. You said the perfect tagline for this game. Interesting mechanics, poorly executed. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I I had some cool level designs. You know, you're on these icebergs that are bobbing up and down, um, you know, in the water. And you have, you know, this fiery volcano level. And the fire is like pulsing below you because the whole jungle is burning down. And you have to hang from these vines so the fires can't reach you. And Ryan, you know, this screenshot, I think, perfectly captures, like you said, who Sam is, because he's clearly about to die and he's having the best time. Oh, yeah. No, and Sam is Sam has no thoughts. There's just yeah, thoughts. Yeah. And and I don't know. I, I thought that was that was pretty great. Sam was the himbo from a previous age. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys get to the police officer? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Mike, did you find this guy? You did. He at the end of a level, he'll be like, hey, you know. You got to pay a toll. Go find 15 diamonds. And that's really the the goal of the level is to, you know, it's a collectible level. Yeah. But then sometimes, like, you'll have this vehicle and you'll be hang gliding around having so much fun. And the cop stops you. Hey, give me money and I'm confiscating your vehicle. And then Sam just gives a thumbs up and moves on with his life. And it's like, man, really nothing phases him. I just really love his can-do spirit. I mean, we're dealing with prehistoric capitalism. You have to have the enforcers of property law as well. It only makes sense. <laughs> but it felt like Simpsons level of humor that like, I'm not used to seeing in games today. You know, I, I think humor that. is hard to pull off in a video game. When I got to that point, I didn't even notice there was a 15 diamond toll. I just got to the <laughs> end and I'm like, oh, I'm done, I guess. Yeah. And the uh, <laughs> I think maybe the most underrated joke of the game is that at the end of the game, you get all your bones back, right? Mm-hmm. And you need a cart to carry the bones back to your village because there's too many of them. You Scrooge McDucked it. You have too many riches. Mm-hmm. And so the elder guy says, ah, man who says he knows you sold us two carts for a million bone e- bones each. Pretty expensive. Like, you spend all the money you just got back, but it doesn't matter because with the carts, you can get even more. And so it's like, why did they include this joke line? I don't understand. It's just so weird. So uh, you say this happens at the end of the game. Does that mean you beat it? Oh, I intended, Ryan. I'm confused. 
I freaking swept these caveman games, you guys. I beat all four of them using rewind features. And, uh, you know, I had a pretty good time. I had a pretty good time. You guys didn't, though. You were frustrated. Talk to me. I think for me, and that idea of interesting mechanic, bad execution, is this game felt like it had far too many mechanics in that it didn't have a, we've picked some mechanics and we're going to do these well. It just kept throwing new things at me of new mechanics that didn't feel like they necessarily came back or that they weren't present enough to really heavily utilize. It's like one we haven't talked about is like there's stores that you can find. Yeah. That you can buy stuff at as stores often do have, but it involved sort of too much collecting of bones for me to really take advantage of. But I like, so like I like the, that in principle, there's an idea of life insurance where you basically get a checkpoint that even after you're out of continues, you can still use. It actually literally, the little scroll that you buy says save. You can save the game, but you got to pay for it. <laughs> you can't really save the game the way we would use save the game. <laughs> okay. Because if you if, if it powers off, it will not continue. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. I think they're, I think it, like the manual specifically like, so long, this will work so long as the game is still powered. Do not turn gotcha. it off and expect it to still okay. be there. But sure. mom, I have to leave the game running. Oh if my I'm gosh, do you guys remember the game that? Running, you have to... Sam will die. You would like go to the store and you'd like turn off the screen and hope your dad wouldn't come home and see it running with no one playing it and just switch it <laughs> off. I don't know if that happened to you guys. That was a regular stress in the Strauss household. Yeah, and, and so you can also, you know, between levels, or actually no, inside of levels, you'd find little warps to go to the shop that Mike's talking about. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was kind of neat because you could also learn like, oh, where is a hidden cache of you know resources try looking underneath the bridge or whatever yeah and then you know of course i would just rewind the game after getting the tip and then all right thanks don't need that anymore because <laughs> i never ran out of bones yeah no i think though that does lead into it because this came up with what with one of those and it, it was frustrating was um because one of the things is it, you can also get like hints for future things and i'd gotten yes. a hint which was like on the next level, if you go down at the start, you can get a weapon that you'll need for the boss, mm-hmm. which is very helpful. And so I got the weapon, and then because I did not do great at this game, and it involved a lot of vine stuff, and tangentially, I feel that pressing down when you're on a vine should climb down, not drop. Yes. But... <laughs> <laughs> that oh, aside, I have a lot of rage for the controls, but we'll get yeah, there. Yes. That point aside, I did not reach the end of that level on that life. Oh, yeah. yeah. And when I started over, the weapon that I had picked up was no longer there. And I... Oh, because you collected it, but then died, lost it, and couldn't get it again. Correct. And there's this weird semi-permanence that this game does of some things. Enemies come back, but the the pickups don't. And it's one thing to do that for, like, collecting the food or something. But it's another thing when it's weapons. I agree. Yeah, that's frustrating, for sure. I thought the coolest weapon was the spears. Did you guys get this far? Um, Where you have, I know I have a screenshot of this one. Give me a second. Yeah. Um, The spear weapon. Did you guys ever get this? No, no. It's neat because it's, you know, it's the spear. It flies straight ahead. It attacks through multiple enemies. It kills them in one hit. And then it wedges into the um, environment. And now you have a springboard and now you can, you can create your own platforming uh, tricks. So the devs 
so the devs played Quack Pack. Uh, yeah, wow, dang, Ryan, you are you are the MVP of the obscured references. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Although, did this did this come first? This might have come I first. Know. I just Quack Pack. I played a ton of Quack Pack when I was a kid. I loved that stupid game. <laughs> But, you know, like you said, great idea, weird execution. Mm -hmm. This is the most frustrating level in the game because you have to bounce multiple times off the same spear. When you bounce on it twice, it'll fall off the tree. And then, you know, if there's nothing below you, you're dying. But now you are you, – you had to – what's that climbing technique where you're climbing a cliff and you are, like, putting your, like, pith in the wall to pull yourself higher and higher? Do you get what I'm saying? You're like jamming little metal rods into this cliff face. That's what you have to do with this spear. And it mm. is ridiculously hard. I don't know how anyone would have done this without rewinding. Mm. So yeah. And actually, cool idea. since you bring up the jumping, one of the things I found frustrating is it introduces sort of this mechanic of like the jumping and I think and using enemies as well. So you can bounce really high. Yes. And number one, it was very finicky when I was jumping on enemies as to whether or not that was going to count as jumping on the enemy or taking damage from the enemy yep and i feel like if you created this to be a central center as central a mechanic as it felt like that should never be in question yeah that needs to be really robust but then the other part of that is you go so high and come back down so quickly that i couldn't tell where i was going to be landing and yeah frequently it's like if i land right next to an enemy that hits me from the side that has it it makes the jumping feel like it's you're being punished for using a mechanic that they clearly want you to use yeah yeah, yeah. It, there's a and also like sometimes it's hard to tell is this part of the foreground or the background can i jump on this or is it a rock in the background i'm gonna fall right past and it's the worst when it's those the um the shot that you showed us of the fire coming up and having to hang onto a vine to avoid it yeah. yeah, I didn't figure out that because some of the vines are just background vines. Right. I think actually in this screenshot, I think the next one's a background vine. <laughs> yeah. There's actually a part in this stage, because this is the stage where I stopped playing, because this is the stage okay. where I just lost all, all my remaining lives. But there is a part in this stage when if you do not hit the ground running, you will never reach the next vine before you're incinerated. Yeah. And nothing in the game tells you that. Yeah, right. and I feel like sometimes the fire is timed and sometimes it's triggered by position. And yeah. I felt like it did not do that consistently because there's bits where like, okay, I'll wait for the fire to come back. And it was like, it would not. And yeah. other times it was just this, this inconsistency to this. And it really is, you have to know exactly where you're running to between those because there's not much of a margin. Yeah. yeah. It's another one of these games where it's like, you know, the rewind feature made it a lot better for me than I think it was for you guys. And and to make matters worse. So, you know, I, I kind of understand, you know, caveman hunter gatherer society, right? They're using, you know, everything they kill. They're using the bones for currency. They're using the meat for food. But the problem and the thing I think the thing that I think is causing Sam the most difficulty is the fact that he's decided to butter the undersides of his feet with the fat because <laughs> I, this game is so slippery. Yeah. Every corner, every platform is so slippery. I lost so many lives to just sliding off the edge of a platform. There is the very first in the second level in the cave, the very first 
So, okay, in the second level, you have to stand on swinging spiders, swinging platform, you know, swinging platform jumping. Fine, no big deal. You know, Sonic was doing that back at the dawn of the dawn of the console generation. You know, yeah. But there were two problems with this one. <laughs> Problem one: the spiders are only about as wide as Sam is, which means you have to land directly on the top of this moving object. Whereas, like in other games, the swinging platforms would be two to three times the width of the character. So you had a little yeah. bit of leeway. Yes, and which would be fine, except. That the spider, the platform, the 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 collision platform that the spider creates, yep, during the swing intersected with the collision platform of the of the ground you were leaving. Right. So if you were standing on just on the edge of the spider, you just hit the ground and stand there, and the spider would go swinging off without you. Or the spider would hit you. Or the spider would hit you. Exactly. I leveraged this the reverse way, and I would I stopped jumping. I would stand. I, actually, that's probably a true thing about like life in general. I stopped <laughs> it's been a while since you jumped, Mike. <laughs> I'm gonna stand here until the platform comes up underneath me. Yep, I entirely that would just let the spiders live. just swing up and just be like, and now slightly tap to center myself a little bit. And that was how I dealt yeah. with those because the the platforming was dif difficult. So I guess I let the platforms do the samming. Is that how that works? It was. <laughs> Yeah, it was just so the the plat the controls were far too imprecise for yeah. for platform the, platforming this position. Yeah. And I think you, the you, level with the spiders wrong. is also where they decided to introduce. By the way, now we're going to hide things underground, so you just kind of have to hit the ground at the right spots and find yep. things. And it was like, to, yep. oh, and it might be more spiders. <laughs> well, and then you know, like you guys, I don't think got this far, but like eventually you start fighting you know, bosses that are these huge hulking sort of, I mean, they're all kind of the same long neck sort of, you know. That's um, the first boss, right? Well, no, oh, yeah, I think this is the third. They, yeah. They, they, they all look very similar, which is like, you know, a, a neck comprised of like kind of spherical looking sprites. So it looks like mm -hmm. a 3D movement but thing. Spikes? Well, so it, it, he takes different forms throughout the game. Um, but it's basically the same dinosaur every time, with the exception of the really epic final boss, which is sort of like this weird... You see, there's another kind of variation of it, the long neck creature. But, like, the final boss is this really cool, like, sort of Jaws fight with, like, this Godzilla sort of head coming up from under the ground. But, you know, the boss fights, you could beat them by landing on their head, so they can't bite you. But, like, certain parts of the skull you could land on, and certain parts of the skull, it would hurt you. And it wouldn't necessarily be like where there's a horn. It would just be like, oh, <laughs> they just didn't think to communicate this to the player. So you you guys aren't wrong. This game is is yeah. real sloppy. Well, and I, I could the see reason that is, is frustrating. I asked which boss that is. My last note, and I think this probably marks exactly where I stopped playing this one, was sure. no idea how I'm expected to beat the first boss with what this game taught. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. It's like you're expected to have skills that it doesn't help you acquire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's frustrating. I will say I really liked the hang glider controls. Would have been yeah, nice. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of the Mario. The let me uh, let me go to the hang glider screenshot here. Yeah, it was like you know, sort of the fun sort of you dive to get pick up speed. It's like Ryan, did you ever play Arkham City, Arkham oh, Knight? Yeah, yeah it, it was like that. Arkham, Arkham Asylum and Arkham City. Yeah, those those are fantastic games. But like, it reminded me of that. Of like, okay, that, Batman yeah. is diving to exactly. pick up speed, so then he can swoop back up. But, you know, kind of short-lived and, 
you know, felt thrilling, but also sloppy. So yeah. Thrilling, but sloppy. I kind of want that on my headstone. Um, <laughs> any other thoughts on prehistoric man before we go to our ratings? Hmm. I think uh, I'm good. I like the banjo kazooie voices. <laughs> yeah i always like that too banjo kazooie animal crossing prehistoric man they do yeah. this thing where it's like yeah there's not voice acting but every letter like on the screen it says for unlicensed flying each one of those letters has a sound effect and so it it sounds like a language is being spoken that you just don't understand yeah i, I like that I too, just, Ryan. there was one other thing that this d- did i didn't take advantage of this but i thought it was interesting i said i don't think i took advantage of this was this has about the, uh... an easy mode? Yeah, what does that mean? Uh. Um, I mean, aside from making it easier, the interesting part about it is it ends the game early. You can't yeah, beat the game on that. easy mode. Yes, games used to do that. But you can switch. I think you can switch the mode during play. So theoretically, you could go, okay, I've been playing on easy. I'm going to switch over to the, the normal mode and continue normal difficulty that's really funny that's actually how i got the achievement for beating halo infinite on the toughest setting is that i got to the last thing on easy mode and then the final level is just a, you know it's just drive the warthog out of the exploding thing and it's like okay that's not any harder so i just switched the difficulty to the hardest part for just the driving section and got a very rare achievement <laughs> but did uh but you did get any of your achievements man, honestly but did prehistoric man have the condescending continue screens of like are you sure you don't want to move down to easy yeah that's funny i mean if it did i would have gotten it at some point i'm sure <laughs> yeah you ratings time i think it is sure. Okay, well, guys, it took a while, but here we are. It is time to declare each of the games we discussed today as a Nintendo or a Nintendon't. So as we caveman our way through all 200-plus games, um, let's decide if these games are worth your time. We're going to start off with the first game we discussed today, uh, Joe and Mac. I think that Joe and Mac uh, is something I don't regret playing to completion, um, especially due to the oddball nature of that final level with the devil inside the dino heart, you know, say what you will. That's a, that's a pretty memorable finale, but I can't recommend it. There are, are so many superior platformers available on Nintendo switch online that Joe and Mac, the first game it's cute. Ultimately it's a Nintendo. Ryan, you want to go next on this one? Uh, so I feel like this is a good example of where the, so we're, can we use the word genre for prehistoric platformers? Um, kind of. I feel like a lot of them. <laughs> I feel like this is a good example of where the genre was going to go from here. Yeah. But ultimately, the game just gets let down by its poor performance to the point where yep. I, I can't say Nintendo. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Slowdown is hard to forgive on a game as simple as this. Yeah, exactly. Mike? I think I'm not going to give this a Nintendo. I'm going to give this a Super Nintendo. I keep going back what? to this one. Really? <laughs> what? Really? I kept going back. Like, I was hoping I could beat this game before we recorded because I was having fun with this game and I just couldn't get that last bit. I wasn't good enough to reach all the way through the end, but I enjoyed this one. This is officially our biggest gap in review. We've got two don'ts and one Super Nintendo. Hi, that's okay. Well, you know what? I don't want to yuck your yum anymore. I'm glad you had a good time. I'm just surprised because, like, you clearly have frustrations with, like, imprecise games. And I just thought this one, you know, had a lot of, like, hit detection problems. And I think it had it, it 
also had enough that was forgiving about it. The fact that it is, you know, it's 10 increments. So if a little bit goes badly, you have sort of the ability to recover. Yeah, there's room for error. Yeah. And it, yeah. and you know, you die, you start, you continue where you were on that level. Well, so let's go on to Congo's Caper then. Uh, I, I think this game is a little too simple to get that excited about it. Uh, it does a better job of mixing up levels and enemy encounters, though. It it's kind of feels more engaging at times, even though your combat options are so much more limited with just your club. But to me, it felt like the kind of perfect length for a game of this type. Kind of reminded me of Kirby's Dreamland because like right when I was about to get tired of it, I'm in the final boss fight. And at first this was going to be a Nintendo, but its biggest weakness is that it just inevitably gets compared to the other games on this list. And I think it ultimately is forgettable compared to the wackiness and creativity on display in our next two titles. So you, dear listener, whoever you are, you're probably not insane enough to play through all the caveman games available on Nintendo Switch Online. You have to be pretty sick to do that to yourself. So this becomes a Nintendo don't based solely on the fact that there are more interesting titles available at the base level Nintendo Switch online subscription. If you can access this game, you can access games that are better. So why would you pick this one? Nintendo. Uh, Ryan? This is not just a Nintendo. <gasps> not Super just Nintendo. a Super Nintendo. Ultra this Nintendo. Nintendo. This is a Nintendo 64. Oh, we haven't even had that category I yet. hated this game. game. Whoa! Between the terrible hitboxes on the combat, uh, the needlessly punishing health mechanics, the uh, and the insultingly easy first boss, I I I never want to. It it felt like the game was there as an insult to me personally. But Ryan. It was all worth it because you just created old switcheroo lore. You have created a new category <laughs> and it is absolutely going to stick. Excellent. The only problem is that there's no such thing as a Super Nintendo 64, but heck yeah, dude. Okay, Mike. So it's a tie. Be the tie. Oh, wait, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is irrecoverably bad. But what did you think? Nintendo, Nintendo, Mike? I'm going Nintendo. It just had so, so much difficulty for me. I watched a speedrunner play this. That was kind of neat. Yeah. But playing this was just not fun. Okay. Wait, Ryan, what was yours? I forget. No, I'm, kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Joe and Mac 2 lost in the tropics. You guys cool if we just keep taking turns on this? Yeah. Sure. Okay. So Joe and Mac 2. I think that this game made me smile from start to finish. I don't think you could say that it really innovated the 2D platformer. But in my mind, this game comes close to perfecting it. I think it's funny. It's fun. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It has cute graphics. It has these enormous bosses, really catchy music, RPG light elements that are completely optional, but just totally wacky. This one's a Super Nintendo. Oh. So we are we are really at peaks and valleys in this episode. Ryan, Joe and Mac 2, Nintendo or Nintendo? Uh, I would definitely go Nintendo on this one. I feel like Joe and Mac 2 is all of the potential of the first Joe and Mac. Yes. Polished up to the point where it becomes way more playable and way more enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I this this game made me realize like why this series has a soft spot in people's hearts. Speaking of that soft spot, once we're done here, remind me. Okay. Yeah. So go ahead. I am going Nintendo. I knew I it. Did not have fun with this one. Even I got a wife out of this game. S still <laughs> underwhelmed. 
<laughs> is Kat in the next room? She understands the context of what you're saying, right? Because <laughs> she's going to be our guest on our next episode, and I don't want to get in trouble tangentially for this. Um, so, you know, yeah. And and so, but not a Super Nintendo. I wouldn't go Super Nintendo. There was some bits that that I like, but just not just not enough. And not enough. Not really within the core gameplay itself, I think. Yeah. So prehistoric man our final game for today it has a lot of shortcomings right but it stands apart in my mind not only from the other caveman platforming games of the era it stands apart from all other platforming games period i think it misses the mark nearly as much as it hits but my philosophy in life because with movies i mean even food honestly give me an interesting mess over a predictable success I think that it's so easy to imitate that even if something's not successful, I like a game that takes a chance, you know, makes me laugh. It's a reluctant Nintendo for me, provided, so like an asterisk next to this, you're liberal with the rewind feature to compensate for some really slippery controls and frustrating level design. I think this is like the pistachio nut of games. Like there's goodness in there if you're willing to put in the work for it. <laughs> but Ryan... You said this game made you want to swear at poor old Sam here. Nintendo for you? No, a Nintendo. <gasps> oh my gosh! I actually completely agree with your assessment. The game is the game's a mess. The controls are terrible. Yeah. The uh, directions, uh, uh, you know, uh, directions, uh, directions unintelligible fell to chaos. You know, it's yeah. It is, it is, it has failed on on just about every aspect of being a game. But I think that the story is fascinating. Just the <laughs> level of effort they put into it, the character of the game, the design of the game from an artistic standpoint, and the, um, the clear ambition on display yeah. is enough that you should at least give it a try. Put it down after one time. You know, get, get to the end of the continues that the game gives you, but try it at least once. Oh, it's 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 like you said, Sam. He's like it's dumb as a bag of rocks, but oh, yeah. you kind of can't help but love it. Yeah, no, I and yeah, and Sam gotta love gotta love that. Uh, God bless that uh, little caveman himbo. But Mike, are you gonna give us a? I'm a, gonna a extend your uh, pistachio analogy here. For me, this is that time where you get the pistachio where the shell is fully closed. <laughs> and you're like, I grasp that there's something good here. This is not worth the time it's going to take to get to it, though. So I this think... This feels like you're gearing I, up to a Super Nintendo. I, I, no, I'm I'm going with the reluctant Nintendo. For okay. almost the same, much of the same rationale about yeah. the game as overall. But for me, it's just just a bit too much of an issue to really recommend it's not that you're yeah. mad it's that you're disappointed oh brutal brutal oh my gosh guys we freaking did it we did yeah. all four caveman games in the nintendo switch online catalog oh. if you are still listening thank you so much for sticking with us here ryan i you're you're note, a force of nature yes on that note on that you note. mentioned the four caveman uh, games. Did you know that a year ago, new Joe and Mac Caveman Ninja was released? 
Yeah, it was a remake that sort of redoes the graphics in like sort of almost Disney levels of animation. And it yes. got like no attention. But yeah, that's wild. There's been a Joe and Mac game, like <laughs> a modern Joe and Mac game. I, I, I stumbled across it because I was I was looking because I, I swear I have a uh, memory of seeing the original Joe and Mac being part of Nick Arcade when I was a kid. Oh, Nick Ooh. Arcade. But I couldn't find evidence of it. But I did come across this game and I'm like, oh, hey. It does exist, probably with better I, controls. I, I sometimes put Nick Arcade on because of Paramount Plus. I just kind of have it on the background. I'll keep an eye open for it. I'll let you know. Yeah, and I, I will say, I think uh, certainly for two of these, Joe and Mac 2 and for Congo's Caper, yeah. games done quick did speed runs of both of them. Uh, and okay. for me, watching both was a lot more entertaining than playing them both. I get you. I get you. Well, so Ryan, um, like I said, um, it was so much fun having you here. Um, I really hope you come back because I, I think we vibed and I freaking love all the points you made and you invented a new category of rating for us, the Super, the Nintendo 64. Uh, so you are, uh, your channel is Warboss5 on yes. YouTube, Twitch. Pretty much, I'm guessing, search for Warboss5 on almost any platform you're going to find your stuff. Yeah, you can find Warboss5 on Twitter, where I go on unhinged political rants every now and then. Warboss5 <laughs> on... As you do on X. <laughs> yep. Uh, Warboss5 on Blue on Blue Sky, if you've got that. Warboss5 on Mastodon, though I never touch it. Warboss5 on Twitch, you're welcome to follow me, but I don't stream anymore. Although you can definitely check out all my old VODs. Or you can check out my old VODs, as well as a couple of other random things on my YouTube channel at Warboss5. Always happy to see you there. Who knows? I mean, I've considered getting back into the game. Who knows where that might take? So, you know, toss a subscribe and maybe something will come down the pipe at some point. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe you'll uh, maybe you'll be streaming more retro games in the future. <laughs> I, do. I do have my uh, I do have my Ocarina of Time playthrough up on the uh, up on the YouTube channel. Man, Zelda games are so rich. Oh, yeah. it's, it's going to be so fun getting through all those. So, um, everybody, uh, you should join us next time. It's going to be a big one. We are going to be power sliding our way through the Mario Kart games. So it is going to be Super Mario Kart, Mario Kart Super Circuit, I believe is the name, and Mario Kart 64 in our ongoing quest to rate and um, rank and review and research every Nintendo Switch game in the online catalog. Join us on www.theoldswitcheroo.com where you can leave us a voicemail, get a link to our Discord, follow us on all the different social medias. We'd really genuinely love to have you. And I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been the old switcheroo where we've been talking gaming retro with Mike and JMO. I've been Mike. And I've been JMO. Game on, everyone. Holy heck. <laughs> <laughs> That yeah, was a blast. My, I had a that was of. really fun. I just don't. We can't release a four-hour caveman game episode, can we? Um, <laughs> it's not. It's not four. It's like three. It's three and a half. I'd say three and a half. So, so you don't want to divide this up and like I could record a thing of like that's and this is part one of our caveman's. You know what I mean? Do you want to split it or you want to just go for the three-hour big boy and just? You have reached the end of the first disc of this game.